Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. It is good to sing the Scriptures, to read the Scriptures, to hear the Word of God together today on this third Sunday of Eastertide as we remember as Easter people that our song is Alleluia. I found this week this thought about the resurrection. Wolfhart Pannenberg uh, simply said, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection is so strong that nobody would question it except for two things. First, it's a very unusual event. And second, and second, if you believe it happened, you have to change the way you live. If Christ is risen, then you have to change the way you live. We congratulate our seniors today. We're giving them, as you saw, Bibles. I detect a theme here. Uh, every fall, we line up the third graders and give them Bibles. And about the time you wear those out, you graduate from high school, we give you another one. Just yesterday, our uh, children went and competed in Bible drills, what we used to call sword drills. And uh, they had a saying on the back of their T-shirt. I have one down here. It's too small for me to wear. But anyway, somebody gave it to me. And it simply says on the back, well, on the front, Encanto, no, no, no. And then on the back it says, we know it. We find it. We say it. There's a story like that in the scriptures, a story of those who knew and found and spoke what they discovered. But I have just um, one proviso for our students as they open these Bibles. Some of the edges of them are sharp. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What are we doing giving Bibles to third graders, even to high school seniors? I remember when I was young, we lived over in Europe, and my father went on what was called TDY, which meant that he would be gone for a, a month or two, and we would have to fend for ourselves. He went to Spain, and he came back with, with wonderful things. He brought back um, these two swords that were in a kind of nameplate, and we placed them over the mantle in our home. And as a young boy, I had this idea that if the bad guys ever broke into our house, we had swords. And in my mind, reading books like uh, Dumas' Three Musketeers, I had in my mind, if the day ever came that our family needed to be protected, I would grab one of those swords and I would be prepared to fight against the bad guys some years later I found them hanging in my parents home and I took a closer look these were more what you would call ornamental swords 
These swords would not have been of much help to me if in fact bad guys ever broke into the house. And I just wanna speak a word today because I think sometimes when we give somebody a Bible, we think of it as sort of ornamental, sort of ceremonial. I just wanna say to our students today, and by the way, to all of you who have the word of God in your hands or in your hearts, these are working Bibles. They actually work. They will introduce us to the one who can change our lives, to the one who died on the cross and rose again. Would you open your working Bibles with me this morning to the book of Luke, chapter 24? And let's hear the word of God together today. Luke 24, I begin reading with verse 25, and in reverence, for our God who speaks in his word. Would you stand with me today? This is a holy moment. We've been studying worship together. I've been reading, thank you Tyler, about ancient worship and future worship. We saw last week in ancient worship, Jesus was at the center of the worship. In future worship, Revelation chapter five, we just sang, Jesus is at the center of the throne, so he should be at the center of our worship, the center of our lives. How do we learn? How did the ancient church learn about Jesus? It turns out they learned by looking into the scriptures, and all they had was the Old Testament. Can I show you Luke 24, verse 25, heart of worship is the series, burning hearts, and in verse 25, Jesus speaking to these who had walked away from Jerusalem, were headed to their home in Emmaus and had given up on the church, had given up on Jesus. And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He said to them, he said, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Father, make the book live to us. Show us ourselves in your word. Show us our sin in your word. And please, Father, show us our Savior in your word. 
and make the book live to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Each of the gospel writers tells us stories of people who encountered the risen Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says at one time, Jesus appeared to over 500 of them at once. Luke tells us unique stories. So Mark, Matthew, and John don't tell us the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And here's the story. So it's the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath has passed. Sunday has come. They have found the empty tomb. Uh, the, the 12 are gathered together. The 11 are gathered together in that upper room together with others who were with them. And, and two of them inexplicably leave Jerusalem and start heading home to Emmaus. Uh, presumably, I, I don't know, maybe something big happened in their lives on Monday or uh, they had to relieve the people who were taking care of the dogs. I don't know. But they head home to Emmaus, and along the way, their, their eyes are firmly fixed on the ground. So fixed on the ground that when Jesus comes to walk with, him, with them, they cannot even recognize him. And he says, what are you talking about? And they say, well, we're talking. Were you in Jerusalem? Do you know what happened that... Jesus, this prophet who was mighty in word and deed, and we had hoped that he was the Messiah, but he was crucified, and now it's the third day, and some of our women, see, they were a community, some of our women went to the tomb this morning, but it was empty, and Jesus, they did not see. The irony of those words they say to Jesus, whom they cannot see, Jesus, the women, did not see. Excuse me, but why, if there's an empty tomb and Jesus promised that he was going to rise from the dead, what's so important in Emmaus that you have to leave the fellowship of the people of God? And they, they give the answer in their own words. They say, we had hope. So hope for them has been moved to the past tense. We used to hope. We thought Jesus was our hope, but we don't hope anymore. And when they lose hope, they lose their vision of Jesus. They lose their sense of purpose. They head home to Emmaus. But I love this. Even when they gave up on Jesus, Jesus did not give up on them. So he joins them along the way, and he's a little frustrated with them because he thinks they should know the Scriptures well enough to know that he had to suffer the things that he suffered, that they wouldn't have given up just because he suffered. And so Jesus tries to explain it to them, and he starts with Moses, and he goes through all the prophets. And wouldn't you have loved to have been there to hear Jesus tell them about Jesus from the Old Testament? And by the way, he doesn't unroll a scroll because it's here. And he knows the stories, and they know the stories. And it turns out, for people who've given up on hope, the good news is this book is not just many stories. It's just one story. And here's the story. Here's the good news today. Like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we are worse off than we thought. And we are more loved than we ever dreamed. 
and Jesus tells them that he had to suffer. And by the time they get to their house there in Emmaus, uh, Jesus acts like he's going to walk further. And they still don't know it's him. They still don't know it's him. And they say, don't leave us. They've heard his voice long enough. They just want to be with him. Come into our home. And somehow Jesus moves from guest to host. He's the one who's breaking the bread. And when he breaks the bread, when he breaks the bread, they move from the worship of the word, which they enjoyed on the road, to the worship of the table. The ancient church had worship in the word and worship at the table. And then at the table, they recognized Jesus, his purpose finished. He's gone. And that very night, they go back. What, what was on the back of our Bible drillers shirts yesterday? We know it. We find it. We say it. When they found Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures and they saw Jesus personally and realized it was he, they headed back. It was dark, but it wasn't too late to make the journey back to tell the church we have seen him. But when they got there, the church already knew because Jesus had appeared to Peter. And I just want to say to you in this world, and I look at what they were doing, and I would say what they were doing when they were recounting the bad events of the past week is what we've come. It's, it's, a, new, it's a new word to me. It's been coined in recent years. It's called doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. So they're going over the events in the world and they've concluded it's all bad. There's no hope. It's getting worse all the time. This word was coined because people will scroll on their phones at night to find all the bad news so they can feel worse and worse about the world. Or maybe they, they click on the television and they see another station that tells them that the world is just getting bad and it's going to get worse and they're doom scrolling on their phones and they're doom scrolling on their TVs or maybe some of you can do both. Can you do both at the same time? Are you ambidoomstress? You're able to find doom everywhere you look. And, and for people like us, this is a really powerful story because the good news is on the worst day of your life, there's still Jesus and Jesus is still with us and he's still talking to us even if we're not talking to him and he doesn't give up on us even when we give up on him. And the good news is as he opened the scriptures to them, the scripture three times, it was like the grand opening. He opens the scriptures and then when he breaks the bread, he opens their eyes. And then in verse 45, he opens their minds so that they can understand. And Jesus is still in the opening business. The one who rolled the stone away from the tomb will open the scriptures to us when we read them. He will open our eyes to see him in worship. He will open our minds to understand what he is saying. When I was in the seventh grade, I don't know what she was thinking, but my Aunt Alice for Christmas sent me a Bible. But I'll tell you what she didn't tell me, that the author came with it. And when I had no television and I had nothing to do in the cold winter months that followed there in Germany, I opened that Bible and I found what these disciples found, that Jesus was there. It was years later, I heard a great professor and preacher, Jack McGorman, say these words, the Bible has always been, for me, he said, I would say, for the people of God, a meeting place with God. I pray for our students, for all of us, that these working Bibles 
will be just that every day of our lives. Why? Because because if we open the scriptures, we should look for Jesus in worship. We search for and find Jesus in the scriptures. I'm just trying to imagine Jesus. He starts with Moses. Maybe there in Genesis, he points out to them that he's the true son of Adam who will strike the serpent's head someday and win the ultimate victory. Or did he take them up Mount Moriah with Abraham and his son Isaac? And Isaac thinks he's going to be sacrificed on the mountain. And Abraham frankly thinks he's going to sacrifice Isaac on the mountain but they're in the thicket when they obey God and get all the way to the top of the mountain they find there's a ram in the thicket so he doesn't have to take the life of his own son and then did Jesus say to them and then there was that day it was just a couple of days ago when God's only son carried the crossbeam of his own cross and he walked up Calvary and there there was no ram because Jesus was the Lamb of God who would be slain for the sins of the world. And their hearts started to burn within them as he told them that on Passover, he was the Passover Lamb who was slain as a reminder of the goodness of God who passes over our sins so that we too can be forgiven and can be saved. Did he take them to Isaiah 53? Did he tell them that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and that by his wounds we are healed? Did he remind them in Zechariah of that moment when their king would come to them riding on a donkey and they must have remembered just a week before how Jesus had come riding in and he opened the scriptures to them. And I just want to say to you, when you read the Bible, here's the point. Read it as true. I didn't say as though it were true. Just read it as true. Don't read. Listen, I went off to college and I ran into professors who were trying to tell me, well, this part's not true and this part's not true. And I knew they were wrong. And so as I conversed with them, I realized I'm going to read the scriptures as though, no, I'm going to read them as true. I'm going to read from the inside. I'm not the judge of the story. And this isn't just about what's good for me. What's this, what's this reading going to do for me today? But it's going to remind me that I'm worse off than I thought and more loved than I ever dreamed. And I found Jesus in the scriptures. You, you listen as we said on Easter, look for him everywhere you go. He goes before you. I think of that lady in Atlanta. This was back in the 90s, and she was thinking about quitting choir, which is always, by the way, a bad idea. And she was thinking about quitting choir, and she, she got in her car, and she was driving home from work and pondering, what if I just quit choir? And she looked up, and in a, in a billboard there in Atlanta, Georgia, there was an, an advertisement for an Italian restaurant of all things, and there was a fork of spaghetti. I don't know if we have that picture or not, but in that fork of spaghetti, if you look up there, about the middle of the fork, she saw Jesus, and she decided not to quit choir. Look, you don't, you don't have to look at billboards. You don't have to look in spaghetti. This is not Where's Waldo. This is not Where Dwayne and Melanie sitting in church this week. 
It's not that. No, that's not what it is. This is what it is. This is Jesus in his word, revealing himself to us, making himself known. And when we see Jesus in the scriptures, in worship, we sense our hearts burning as we study the scriptures. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, because I'm a Christian, therefore every, every day, Every day, I have to go more deeply into the knowledge of God's word and Holy Scripture. If I don't do it, it's a lost day for me. I can only move forward with certainty upon the firm word, the firm ground of the word of God. And as a Christian, I learned to know the Holy Scriptures in no other way than by hearing the word preached and by prayerful meditation. Our hope is that you will find that these Bibles are working Bibles and put them to work. Like those Berean believers in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. Not like the Thessalonians who ran Paul and his companions out of, out of town, threatening their lives. No, in, in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now the Berean Jews were a more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message, that is the message of Jesus, from the Old Testament, with great eagerness and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And my prayer for you as you open the scriptures every day is that God will bring them to life for you. I wonder how many of our Bibles will be found on a shelf someday? Or will we open them? I think about our dear sister, Sean Shannon's Bible. This was hard for her, but like me, she had to go. I had to have this one rebound. She had one rebound here in town because her Bible, I don't know how to say this, and I don't mean to embarrass her, but it's worn out. I mean, it was falling apart. And this is what I've noticed about people whose Bibles are falling apart. They typically are not falling apart. And so she went to have it rebound because she couldn't give up all that she had written in it, all that she had learned from it. She searched it diligently and God rewarded that. And I think about that guy who graduated from high school and his grandfather, kind of like your church today, gave him a Bible for graduation. And every time he saw his grandfather at a family gathering at Christmas and his grandfather would say, have you, have you read that book yet? And he would say, yeah, I've read that book. I've read that book. But he never opened it. He just left it in a box on a shelf. Years later, his grandfather passed away. And remembering that his, his grandfather had given him that gift years before on his graduation, he thought, you know, maybe I should open that book. He opened it to Genesis. There was a $1,000 bill there. He opened it to Exodus. Does this make you want to read your Bible? There was a $1,000 bill there. He went to Leviticus, to Numbers, to Deuteronomy, to Joshua, to Judges, to Ruth. Listen, I came this morning to bring you good news, something better than $66,000. There's a treasure in this book. And when those disciples found it, they came to know it. They w wanted to find it. And then they wanted to say it to other people. And here's my challenge to you. It's a challenge my pastor gave me when I was a student in high school over in Germany. And Jim Hawkham, my pastor, one day he stood up and he said, what I'm about to say to you, this is the first day of the month and we all thought captain obvious good it's the first day of the month he said there are 31 days in this month 
And we all thought, yeah, there are 31 days in this month. And he said, and there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And I challenge this whole church, he said, and I'm saying, to read chapter 1 on the first, chapter 2 on the second. Oh, wait till you get to chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. There is wisdom in this book. When you get to chapter 30, you get to the prayer of Augur. I think life is not complete without the prayer of Augur, and maybe just in time for Mother's Day, you'll get to uh, be a blessing to your mom from Proverbs chapter 31. And I wonder if you will, on the first day of June, will you email your pastor and tell me I read all 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. My pastor gave me that challenge. I took him to heart. And once I read through the book of Proverbs, I read the book of John. And after I read the book of John, I read the book of Philippians. And by that time, I couldn't put it down. And I couldn't let a day pass without reading the scripture. And I didn't read it till I got through it. I read it until it got through to me. And when it did, it changed my life because in it I found the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing about the resurrection is, with all the evidence, listen, here are the two challenges. It's a very unusual story. And second, Easter people, if you read it and take it to heart, well, we're going to have to change the way we live to align with the one who gave his life for us. And early, I know the women got up early to go to the tomb. Jesus got up earlier. And early on Sunday morning, he arose. And their lives were never the same. And praise God, our lives will never be the same. This is not an ornamental Bible. It's a working Bible. By all means, put it to good use. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. We pray that these Bibles we gave to these students will become for them, as they have been for us, a meeting place with God. And I pray that you will walk with us as you did with those disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Lord, if we're tempted someday to walk away from your people, I pray that your voice in your word will bring us back again and again, so that we will not neglect the assembling of ourselves together, but, but all the more as we see the day of your return approaching, we will encourage each other from your word. Lord, we pray that you will teach us to worship, that Christ will be at the center, and that not one day will pass except that we learn from the scriptures more about Jesus. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.